Okay, so we are working for the book of Revelation, and just a quick uh, few moments to share some thoughts with you all. I was uh, going through the Word of God, reading it and making notes, and from chapter 4, verse 4, it speaks about 24 elders, which are clothed in white raiment, seated on thrones or seats up in the third heaven, and they are wearing crowns of gold, a great picture of rewards. Also from chapter 5, verse 13, I was looking at this last night and also briefly this morning, it speaks about uh, every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon a throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And I thought to myself this, that you've got creatures, not just Jew and Gentiles, but quite possibly animals as well. And you think animals can speak? Well, you ask yourself, is that possible? Well, you've got a serpent back in Genesis that was able to speak. You've got a donkey in Numbers that was able to speak. So I think when it says every creature, I take that literally. I think in the millennium specifically animals will be able to speak and as i say that is a throwback to the book of genesis also from uh, chapter 8 chapter 8 verse 9 it says and a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and a third part of the ships were destroyed and a third angel sounded and i felt a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp And it fell upon a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So here you got a reference to a star, a star falling. And of course that star is an angel. And people speak about this great star in Hollywood. Or he's now a fallen star. He's no longer what he used to be. Also from chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And a fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose a smoke out of the pit, as a smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So once again, a star can be used in reference to an angel. And... Here you got a star which leaves heaven to open the bottomless pit to allow demons, devils, unclean spirits out. Call them what you will. From chapter 10, uh, verse 7, it says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And I thought to myself this, that term, servants, Prophets is very Old Testament, and Revelation is a very Old Testament book. It's a very Jewish book, and of course it was written by the Apostle John. But that term for his servants, the prophets, I think is no doubt in reference to Moses and Elijah, chapter 11. Both were called prophets, and both were very busy, shall we say, back in the Old Testament. And of course both would appear at the Transfiguration From chapter 11, verse 9, you've got people, kindreds, and tongues and nations are witnessing their dead bodies three days and a half. 
and to not suffer the dead bodies to be put in graves. You've got people all over the world watching on television and the internet the death of the two witnesses. Their bodies lying for three days and a half on a street in Jerusalem, probably outside of Jerusalem, no doubt, where the Lord was crucified. And this is a good point to go over because we take this book to be not only literal but still future and yet for those which hold to the pre-trist view they struggle to exegete this passage and i will just ask our pre-trist friends to drop me a line and let me know who these two witnesses are and when exactly they were put to death in jerusalem and when exactly they were resurrected and of course you know this is still to occur from chapter 11 verse 18 and the nations were angry and their wrath is come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets and to the saints and them that fear thy name small and great and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth you've got those that die in the tribulation save people being resurrected chapter 20 to appear at the great white throne judgment not to be judged concerning their salvation but to be rewarded for their service the same is true of those of us which are saved during the church age and will appear at the judgment seats of the lord and again you got a term here for prophets probably moses and elijah and saints tribulation saints and them that fear thy name the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and yet the fear of man bringeth a snare. Small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And I made the case last time about those that rape the earth, those that plague the earth, those that destroy the earth will get their comeuppance. So just some opening thoughts to share with you all before we get into chapter 12, and hopefully, Lord willing, conclude chapter 12. Uh, we finished last week, in verse 12 and it says therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them woe to inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time old leviathan the great red dragon knows that he has but a short time and once he gets his eyes focused on you once the lord allows him through the Lord's permissive will to take a look at you, look out. He would shake Job to his foundation. He would get Peter to lie, curse and deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And he would get Paul to go back under the law uh, to reach out to the Jews. He would, allow the, he would allow Paul to sacrifice afresh in order to reach out to the Jews. And we looked at that some weeks ago during our study through the book of Acts. But what I need to also do before I get into verse 13 is return to verses 1 and 2 to really underscore that this wonder in heaven is Israel. Chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with a sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being a child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. Now, like I said last week, if you were to ask a Roman Catholic who this woman would be, they would tell you that this is Mary, the Queen of Heaven. If you were to ask a Protestant who this woman is, they would say that this woman is a church. 
keep your hand in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation and go to uh, Genesis. Genesis chapter 37. I've got a lot of scriptures to try and cover today during this broadcast. Genesis, Genesis 37. And we read about a very interesting account. Genesis uh, 37. Look at verse 9, please. And he dreamed yet another dream, this would be Joseph, and told it to his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obstinance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee? To the earth, absolutely. Joseph is a type of Jesus. 11. And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Much like Mary would do over in the Gospel of Luke. But what you've got here, in essence, is this. The sun represents Israel, being Jacob. The moon represents Rachel, the mother of Joseph. The 11 stars would be Joseph's brethren, and Joseph, a type of Jesus, would be the 12th star. And when you get that clear in your mind, you won't fall into the erroneous belief that Mary is somehow the explicit woman found in chapter 12 of Revelation. She is there in a sense, and I will get back to that shortly, but Mary per se is not the theme of Revelation chapter 12. Go back to Revelation chapter 12, please. Hold that thought and let's start today's broadcast, if we may, from verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. Anti Semitism, in any uh, sense of the word or in any uh, description, whenever you see it, is pure and simply satanic. To hate the Jews under any condition, is out of order, is totally unacceptable. In fact, Paul would tell you in the book of Romans how he wished he could be accursed if it meant his people could be saved. And that is why we as Bible believers are not only pro-Israel, but we are pro-the Jews as well. And here, verse 13, that number again, Friday the 13th, very synonymous with wickedness, concerns a dragon, and he knows that he's been cast unto the earth. He's been expelled from heaven. And therefore he persecutes the woman, Israel, which brought forth the man-child. Now that was partly pictured in the Gospels. You've got Mary and Joseph leaving uh, Israel and going into Egypt. And the word of God says how the Lord called his son out of Egypt. So they were temporarily told to leave Israel and seek refuge in Egypt. Egypt, of course, is a type of the world. In fact, Egypt and Iraq and Syria are very much mentioned in the Old Testament. In fact, I was reading Isaiah just yesterday morning, and it speaks a lot about Babylon being Iraq. And I just wonder if it is actually going to happen concerning the rebuilding of Babylon if Iraq will become a great nation again. I just wonder if that's possible. Iraq has experienced two Gulf Wars, and Iraq has also 
experienced the Iraq-Iran war and they continued to struggle on to this present day. Verse 14. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into a place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. A time, one. Times being plural, two. Half a time being point five. You've got the woman flying into the wilderness, probably going to be Jordan, Petra, for three and a half years, where she is hiding from the serpent. And that is pictured throughout the Old Testament. From Genesis chapter 3 down to Malachi chapter 4, Israel is very much on the back foot. And verse 14 again, And the woman, Israel, were given two wings of a great eagle. Could be America. Could be Russia. I'll come back to that in a moment. That she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Turn to Exodus. On the American currency, they have a picture of a bird. Some say it's a phoenix. Some say it's an eagle. We had some Russian money given to us recently. And on this Russian money, this old currency from the turn of the last century, there was a picture of a bird, a picture of a phoenix, perhaps, or of an eagle. And as far as relations with Israel and Russia are concerned, at the moment it's not too bad. And the same would be true concerning Israel and America. But from Exodus chapter 19, we read from verse 4. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. So at present, America is very close to Israel. At present, Russia is also quite close to Israel. And those nations also would be very supportive of Israel back in 1948. America would vote for Israel to receive recognition, as would Russia, whereas Britain, to her shame, would abstain. But here, Exodus 19.4, the Lord makes it very clear. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Not literally, of course. This is metaphorical language. This is what we refer to as uh, the issue which concerns letterism when you take a verse literally now of course the lord didn't appear as a bird and put israel on his wings to help her to escape from egypt into the promised land this is metaphorical language this is spiritual language like over in john chapter 6 drink my blood eat my flesh not literally of course and therefore we know that the lord is simply speaking about provision He is speaking about protection. He's speaking about privilege. And therefore, when America stands with Israel, praise the Lord. When Russia stands with Israel, praise the Lord. When Britain stands with Israel, praise the Lord. Go to Deuteronomy. And yet, during the tribulation, it has been suggested by some that America will turn from Israel. That she will no longer be a friend to Israel. And as a result, she will fall. She will crumble Deuteronomy 32, look at verse 11, please. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, 
fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Same sort of language. As an eagle stirreth up his nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Once again, Israel is protected by the Lord. Go back to Revelation, please. Revelation chapter 12. So this woman is going to escape into the wilderness thanks to two wings of a great eagle. Now, concerning America possibly coming to her aid or Russia coming to her aid, and I go back to the US currency and the Russian currency, the clearest way to understand that in the 21st century would be probably down to the US Air Force or the Russian Air Force or the use of a Hercules aircraft. In fact, the Russians have the largest aeroplanes in the world when it comes to such an event. So, yes, America could come to her aid, as could Russia. But looking at these references from Deuteronomy and Exodus, it would appear to me that Almighty God himself will come through for Israel. And they'll be nourished there for a time and times and half a time, three and a half years, from the face of the serpent, being the devil, of course. Verse 15, from Revelation chapter 12, please. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Back in Exodus, you've got the children of Israel escaping from Pharaoh. And it's been estimated by many scholars, that over 1.5 million Jews were able to escape. And they would go through the Red Sea, and the Lord would allow them to cross through the Red Sea, which, of course, is a great miracle. And once they had passed through the Red Sea, he would completely drown the Egyptians. Well, here it's going to be slightly different. The serpent casts out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. So now... The devil, the serpent, is going to do what the Lord did to the Egyptians. But on this occasion, he's going to do it towards Israel. That he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now, take this literally. Don't spiritualize this. Don't make the mistake of spiritualizing this. Yes, it's true from Exodus 19 and Deuteronomy 32 that the Lord is not a bird. That the Lord doesn't have wings per se. Of course, you know what that means. It's protection. It's privilege. It's the Lord demonstrating his sovereign ability to intervene and take care of Israel, his beloved. And like I said last week, after the Lord, after Jesus, after Satan, Israel is the most mentioned person, the most mentioned aspect, the most mentioned theme in the word of God. And his love for Israel is immense. But here the serpent, due to the Lord's permissive will, will use a flood to drown the woman, no doubt concerning the 144,000 and perhaps the other saved Jews that will be saved during the Great Tribulation, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Verse 16, And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So the earth helps the woman, 
The earth opens her mouth and swallows up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So the Lord steps in and reverses what the devil is trying to do. That was also pictured on at least two occasions when the devil tried to drown a boat on the river Galilee, which would result in the death of the Lord and his apostles. And the Lord rebuked the wind and was able to push that back. So take verses 15 and 16, and what you've got is Satan replacing what the Lord did in the book of Exodus, doing a complete reversal of what the Lord did concerning the safety of Israel. The Lord would drown the enemies of Israel, and here Satan is going to try and drown Israel. And it's by verse 16, the earth, no doubt due to the Lord's sovereignty, helps a woman swallows up the flood and averts the death, massacre, murder of many Jews. Verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of a seed which keep the commandments of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. So when Catholics say to me that Mary is found here in Revelation chapter 12, I like to ask them, well, if that's the case, What about this term, the remnants of her seed? Because Catholics don't believe that Mary had other children. They believe that she only had Jesus. And yet here it speaks about the remnants of her seed. Also, women don't have a seed. It has to be in reference to Israel. Israel has a seed, if you will, going back to Jacob. And the dragon, the devil, was wroth with the woman, Israel, and went to make war with the remnants of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, And have the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you were to sit down with a dispensationalist. And ask him to exegete this verse to you. He would say well in the tribulation. People are going to be saved a different way. And you say what do you mean by that? Well people are going to be saved by their faith and works. And they believe that. And you ask them well. If that's the case then I guess grace is no longer grace. I guess people will be arriving in eternity based on their works whereas we those of us which are saved in the church age are going to arrive in eternity based on grace and grace alone now this term keep the commandments of god is what we discover back in the book of acts the book of acts chapter 15 you've got the jews which had come to faith in jesus as their messiah And the Jews, like Peter, like James especially, were still keeping the law. They were going to the temple. They were keeping the Sabbath. Perhaps still circumcising their sons, honouring dietary restrictions, so on and so forth. But they knew that such could not save them. And that's why it says in Acts 15, 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they So yes, it's possible that in the tribulation you will have orthodox Jews, Hasidic Jews, if you will, that keep the law, the Ten Commandments, like the early church would do, the Jewish church, I should just further qualify, not the Gentile church. And on top of keeping the Jewish law, the Ten Commandments, and going to synagogue, they also come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So they're not saved by keeping the law, and as such, keeping the law won't save anybody in the tribulation. 
And Paul would tell you from uh, Romans, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So let me try and pull all these verses together and try and conclude today's broadcast and say this, that the tribulation starts probably around chapter 4 from the book of Revelation. You're going to have Jews that are going to be going up to the temple, the third temple, keeping the Sabbath, very much keeping the Ten Commandments. They may come into contact with the two witnesses, Moses and Elijah. Back in the Old Testament, it was, especially the first five books of the Bible, Moses and Aaron. But during the tribulation, it's probably going to be Moses and Elijah. And they will hear those two Jewish men preaching. And they will believe what they are preaching. They will get saved by listening to what the two witnesses preach. On top of that, you've got the 144,000 Jewish men from the 12 tribes. And they are going to be mobilized. And it would appear also that they keep the Sabbath. That they too are going to be visiting the third temple. Being a part of their local synagogue, if you will. But... Doing all those works won't save them. You were told that very clearly from Acts 15. When it says, And the dragon, the devil, was wroth with the woman, Israel, but specifically tribulation saints, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Two witnesses, 144,000. The church isn't present. Which keep the commandments of God. That's true. But they keep the commandments of God because they are Jews. They keep the commandments of God. Not to be saved. At best you could say that they have appropriated the atonement. And because they've done that. They are keeping the commandments of God. But they won't be saved. By keeping the commandments of God. And have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So I think it's fair to say that. What you're going to witness in the tribulation. Is almost like a flashback. To the first. Let's see now. Seven chapters of Acts. Chapter 15. They have a conference. They agree that it's faith in Christ alone. 16, Paul goes and preaches to the Philippian jailer, how it's faith in Christ alone. 17, he's very busy in Athens, and he's calling those Gentiles to repent, to change their minds, to come to faith in the one true God. So it's faith alone, in Christ alone, from the cross right up until the end of the millennium. Also from the earlier verses, from... Uh, chapter 12 verse 3 and there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads that is also spoken about from let's see now uh, Psalm 74 turn to Psalm 74 scripture with scripture Psalm 74, look at verse 14, please. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces, and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Leviathan, the devil, heads plural, cut in pieces, and as a result is given to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. And I just wonder if it's possible that the Jews that are going to be hiding out during the tribulation, the Jews that will be very much kept safe in Petra, Jordan, 
if somehow, in a way that I don't quite understand, this term for Leviathan from Psalm 74 is going to be cut down and fed to them. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Also, this is spoken about in Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 27. Isaiah 27. Look at verse 1, please. In that day the Lord... With a sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent. And he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea, which goes back to Revelation 5.13. There's something about the sea. There's something about the devil being very interested in the sea. He's going to use the sea. He's going to use water to try and drown Israel. During the tribulation. And again he tried to sink the boat. Which was carrying the Lord. Back in the gospels. So this term for the devil. This description of the devil having multiple horns. Is no doubt in reference to Leviathan. Found several times in the Old Testament. And Leviathan wasn't a sea creature. Leviathan wasn't a crocodile. Leviathan seems to be a term for the devil. And the devil seems to be very interested in water. And one final thought to share with you all today before we conclude today's broadcast is this description about what happens in heaven. Revelation 12, 1, Revelation 12, 2. What happens on earth is mirrored in heaven. And I mentioned that at the beginning of this study. So if you go to Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes, let's see now, Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter, I think it's chapter 5, I was reading this a couple of nights ago and I thought this is very interesting, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven, and in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it speaks about, um, angels and again where you have two or three people that are saved that break bread that worship the lord an angel is assigned to such a group ecclesiastes chapter 5 look at verse 6 please suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin neither say thou before the angel that it was an error Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? You've got an angel which is assigned to you. Now a Jew will say this is in reference to a guardian angel. I'm not sure if I would agree with that. It would be nice to think that we have a guardian angel who goes about everywhere with us, looking out for us. But I think it's more likely to be that we have an angel in heaven. Go to 1 Corinthians. There's one more reference which came to me, which I thought was very relevant, very much uh, appropriate to this current study. First Corinthians, today is the Lord's Day, and when we finish the reading from the Word of God, we break bread, and we think Christians should break bread, if not weekly, monthly, and it's very important to do this in memory, in uh commemoration as to what the Lord did for us and there's a very interesting scripture from 1 Corinthians 11 which concerns our female brethren 1 Corinthians 11 uh, 1 Corinthians 11 look 
at verse 10, please. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 10. I should have marked these verses beforehand. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Angels are watching the church. Angels are very interested in the church. But here, the woman has to be mindful of the fact that angels are monitoring her. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. And I think this is speaking about a head covering to some extent. And that's why for many years, women in the Catholic Church, in the Protestant Church, in the Greek and Russian Orthodox Churches and Evangelical Churches would cover their heads up until the mid-1960s when they would go to church. And yet from the 1960s onwards, most churches no longer observe this piece of scripture. I think the Orthodox Church still does, being the Greek and Russian. But evangelical churches, for the most, don't honour this piece of scripture. So the reason why I took you to these verses is simply to underscore the fact that angels are assigned to each church. And they're very interested in what we do. They are very keen to know more about who we are and what we are but the main point i wanted to drive home would be this that this sign revelation 12 takes place in heaven at the same time it seems to be happening on the earth picturing the first coming picturing the second coming and that's why this woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars has got to be in reference to Israel. And at best, Mary is only partly pictured here. And she being a child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered concerning Israel. So I will say this and try and conclude today's message. And I appreciate we did quite uh, a few detours. We covered a lot of scripture in a short period of time. But I will say this, that Revelation 12 is still future. Revelation 12 concerns Israel as a nation, Israel as a holy vessel, Israel and her remnant. Two witnesses, 144,000, and during the tribulation, they will come to faith in the Messiah, much like the early church did, Acts 1 to 7 especially. And yet during that period, which is also found in Matthew 24, they keep the commandments of God because they are Jews and yet keeping the commandments of God won't save them. It can't save them. They keep the commandments of God because they are the Jews. It's part of their covenant with the one true God. And during that time, the devil, of course, is going to try and destroy them like he did to the apostles. Of course, you know, every apostle but one was murdered for following the Lamb. And they are blessed, they are given great privileges, and according to the word of God, they are going to be part of the redeemed 24. The 24 elders, which are again, this broadcast, Revelation 4.4, are seated up in the third heaven, clothed in white raiment, wearing crowns of gold upon their heads. And the 24 elders represent redeemed Israel, and the twelve apostles of the Lamb, representing the church, which again proves that the church is in heaven. Revelation chapter 4. 
Two doors open, one door opens, Revelation 4, to allow the church to go in to heaven. And a second door opens, Revelation 19, to allow the church out of heaven to come back with the Lord to rule and reign for a thousand years. So, one final time, be mindful of angelic eyes on the church. Be mindful that we are a holy vessel. And be mindful that anti-Semitism in any way, in any form, in any sense of the word, is an abomination to the Lord. They are loved for their father's sakes, and as Bible believers, we should love them as well. And in case you missed it, they're going to be saved in the tribulation. Many of them are going to be saved in the tribulation. And I think most, if not all, that get saved in the tribulation never heard the gospel beforehand either. And that's insinuated from Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 because it says how the Lord will send out strong delusion on those that refuse to believe the truth and instead believe a lie, which is going to result in many going to hell. So good news for Israel in the tribulation. And yet at the same time, if you miss the boat, if you don't get saved, you're going to be damned. And I'm not sure you get a second chance in the tribulation. So don't put off today, or don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. If you can get saved today, get saved today. Because as I see it, there's no second chance for those that hear the gospel during the church age and pass it up to then be redeemed when the tribulation begins. But I'm out of time, so I will close it there. And next week we'll pick it up, Lord willing, in Revelation chapter 13.